0: those of us here assembled today can do better. We can hold ourselves to a higher standard. We are not merely advocates for our respective political parties. We are Americans and we are Arizonans and those loyalties come first.
1: Welcome to the Political Book podcast. I'm Billy Robb, I'm a high school teacher.
0: And I'm Robert Robb, editorial columnist for the Arizona Republic and Billy's dad.
1: That clip at the beginning was from Governor Doug Ducey's inaugural address in January of 2015, the first inaugural address. Uh, He also talked in that that speech, um, not just about Moving beyond partisan rancor and and setting a good example for the for the rest of the nation, but also he talked about economic opportunity for all as his sort of governing philosophy. He talked about making Arizona the number one place to to do business. He talked about fixing the state's finances, and he talked about education reform. And he's now one year away. From uh, completing eight years in office, two full terms, which not many Arizona governor has, governors have done uh, in our state's history, and, and none in the in the modern era, except I think the last one was Bruce Babbitt in the 1980s. Uh, and on this episode, we're going to uh, first reflect back on Ducey's legacy so far as as governor of Arizona. Uh, then we're also going to uh, imagine what the political scene in Arizona will look like beyond. Uh, the Ducey era. So the first question is is just at this point, uh, what do you think will be the enduring legacy of, of Governor Ducey in the future Arizona history textbooks? Uh, what do you think will be the main takeaways um, from what we know so far from the Ducey era?
0: Well, I guess I've got a, a two-part answer to that. Um, it, Governor Ducey did inherit um, state finances in a real mess Uh, and during his time in office um, we have moved from that to a state which financially is in very healthy uh, shape Um, he also uh, forged an answer to a um, education funding lawsuit um, and got that enacted uh, in my judgment Um, avoiding a constitutional uh, crisis that was uh, developing. Uh, And education spending on his watch, which he (laughs) rarely gets much credit for, uh, has uh, increased uh, dramatically. Um, So I believe that that is um, sort of the um, sound hand at at the helm, part of his legacy, that's going to be um, remembered or ought to be remembered. However, I think his lasting impact on Arizona uh, has just recently occurred. Um, And that's a massive expansion of the presence of gambling in our culture uh, through these bookie operations um, that Uh, He developed and hammered um, through the legislature. He claimed it would not change our culture, Um, but you can't see the inundation of advertising for gambling, the celebration of it that's occurring. I mean, he's appearing at um, bookie operation openings for various professional sports teams. Uh, and it's going to change, and and, and you have these inducements, these amazing inducements of uh, guaranteed winning bets to get people to sign up. Uh, And as important as professional sports is in our culture, uh, now betting is going to be a prominent part of that. So in terms of his lasting impact on life in Arizona, I think it's going to be this massive expansion of the presence of gambling uh, in our civic life,
1: and uh, just to touch on that a little bit, uh, since it's you know now currently in the news and we're all experiencing that for the first time. I just a personal anecdote: I've tried to block all of the all the casino accounts, um, on my Twitter, but then after I block them all, they, they show up on the hashtag in different, different ways. So it seems like the casinos have, (laughs) have found ingenious ways to, uh, to continue advertising. If you don't, even if you don't want to see uh, the message, but, uh, your colleague, Richard Ruelas, uh, wrote a couple of long pieces talking about the, uh, kind of origin and, 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 and how the deal came together, um, and the kind of the takeaway you get is that you know he Governor Ducey did not want to raise taxes. He's been very clear that he wants to lower taxes as as low as possible. Um, <clears throat> but he also wants to raise revenues uh, through different you know different ways. You talked about the settling of that lawsuit, but but it seemed like the main goal of this uh, casino expansion was for him uh, revenue. Uh, you know not not so much as like the um, Maybe the philosophy of it that we should have the freedom to gamble if we want to, but it seemed like it was mainly like we need more revenue, let's do that. But you all, you were very critical of the way that um, that, that came together uh, as well. Um, well, it's certainly the let's
0: generate money was the rationale that had been offered for a long time. Um, and uh, is the rationale (laughs) that is still expressed as to why Ducey went down this path. I find that hard to credit uh, because he gave away um, the bookie license rather than putting them out to bid. And um, according to some of the reporting that I've read, uh, he gave them to the professional sports franchises And these true bookie operations that are actually running the books are paying a large sum uh, to the professional sports teams uh, for the ability to operate under their license. Well, that's money that could have gone directly to the state uh, and dwarfs um, what the state is actually due to receive. So it's a fairly, frankly, minuscule amount of money. So it's hard. I, I actually think Ducey... Thought the idea of placing a bet on a sporting event was probably something that he thought was a good thing to have. Um, I'm not sure he anticipated what it would it do. Sem-
1: from From reading from reading that piece um, uh, by by Ruelas, it sounded like that one of the justifications, the reasons for for granting it to sports teams, was that then it would be shepherded by um, it would be overseen um, by an entity that cares about the community, that cares about the sport as well, so that they would be uh, better caretakers of of gambling in terms of the culture rather than just uh, selling it out to the highest bidder when they're not connected to any physical location they don't have a wider relationship with the community. Uh, Do you think that's a good enough um, sort of justification for, for granting it to the sports teams? rather than just putting it out into the open market for the highest bidder? No, the, the, the people
0: who would have bid if we put it up for bid are the ones that are going to be running the books anyway. Um, they just gave a bunch of money um, to the professional sports teams in terms of uh, the monopoly licenses that uh, were provided. Uh, I mean, you could have had Um, rules of engagement and operating restrictions on uh, the bookie operations themselves directly and uh, achieve whatever behavioral restraint you wanted to see. It's kind of hard to see what that behavioral restraint is um, that was gained by giving them to the professional sports teams. I mean, you've got these inducements are really insidious um, insidious. Uh, I mean, you're, 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 you're dangling free money, um, as an inducement to, uh, make gambling part of your life. Um, I mean, how, what, what would, what would these bookie operations be doing on their own if they weren't tethered to a professional sports team that they're not
1: already doing? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah my i mean I guess like philosophically you know I don't necessarily disagree with with it being legal, but my just my gut reaction has been like I don't like it you know i don't like I don't like seeing it, I don't like the ads that show up everywhere even if I try to not look at them and um and I don't like you know i i don't like how um you know there's i, I think there's something about you know, the integrity of the sport. I guess everybody knows that maybe someone's gambling on it in in Las Vegas anyways, but like, I don't know. I just don't, I just don't like it so far. (laughs) Um, Well, I, and and the libertarian in me believes that if
0: people want to make a a bet on a game, they ought to be free to do so. Um, But I think there was a way to make that possible (laughs) without, uh, Inundating all of us uh, yeah. with the importuning to bet on everything. And, and I do think that it is going to change the way our professional sports teams operate. Uh, I mean, if you're coming down to the end of the game and you're winning the game, but you haven't covered the point spread, um, you're going to know that your most avid fans are as interested in you covering the the uh, point spread as they are in you winning the game. And that's got to influence the coaches and the players. I mean, Ducey yeah. Ducey's proclamation that this wasn't going to have a cultural change has already been disproved. And I think we're just at the beginning of it.
1: Um, another kind of like a fall question on, on that, but then also sort of like continuing on with, with the broader uh, view of of Ducey's legacy. Uh, one one question I had was like, you know, who is the real Ducey? Like, who is he actually? And I think you know this this law was like an example of something that seemed like it was sort of um, sort of just like crammed down the legislature. Like, you know, so note so that even if somebody wanted to make an amendment of like let's limit advertising or let's try to make this a little bit better for the culture of, of Arizona, like you, you, they couldn't, cause it was already kind of like a done deal. And it was just kind of hammered down um, by the kind of power brokers uh, that Ducey is, is uh, kind of connected with. So like, you know, it seems like, and it seems like that's happened, you know, quite a bit. Um, so like, who is Ducey? I mean, is he a, is he a conservative in terms of his philo- governing philosophy? Um, is he? You know, I think at the beginning he was campaigning for that, but then, in, then I think maybe in the middle of his terms, um, you might call him like more of a pragmatic problem solver. You know, um, he says he was conservative, but then he relied heavily on emergency power during, during you know, during the COVID era. Um, he likes cutting taxes, but also he doesn't mind, you know, raising revenue through gambling or through vehicle fees or you know, other, other ways. Um, so who at his core, like maybe I don't even know if it matters if if we have all the evidence of how he's governed, but who is the real Ducey as a, you know, as a politician, as a political thinker, what's your, from, from observing his whole career, what's, what would your answer be to that question? Well, when, when, uh, Ducey first ran for governor,
0: um, in uh, 2014, Uh, he ran as a transformative conservative reformer. And I believe that was authentic. I don't believe that that was a political persona that he adopted for the purposes of getting elected. Um, He had um, unusually (laughs) really done his homework for the job. Um, He ran for state treasurer uh, to see whether he was good and enjoyed politics and whether he could learn enough about the issues uh, in order to um, feel as though he could handle the job of governor, he studied uh, and and made field trips personally, um, what he regarded as the successful, transformative, conservative governors that he wanted to model himself after, like Mitch Daniels of Indiana and Jeb Bush of Florida, Um, So I believe that was authentic. Um, Now, he inherited an absolute mess in terms of state finances. So the first job was to get state government back on its feet in in terms of uh, revenue and expenditures. And then things just seemed to sort of change. And uh, I think Ducey, while he has the ambition of being a transformative, conservative reformer at the beginning, was also very, a very cautious politician in person. Uh, and so um, big political risk-taking uh, wasn't his appetite. Uh, I also think he sort of had a mismatch between his ambition and the way that he staffed up. He, he staffed up very heavily on political marketers Uh, and not so heavily on uh, policy wonks, people who could generate the ideas uh, uh, that would transform uh, government. And at some point in time, uh, the emphasis became uh, protecting and enhancing the Ducey political brand. Uh, And at that point in time, it seemed to become more, Uh, calculating and uh, checking the wins and uh, husbanding your resources and being very careful as to how you cash them in.
1: Do you think, uh, yeah, I definitely, I want to, and one thing that stood out to me again, go ahead, go
0: ahead. But but I think all of that is authentic. I, I, I don't know, except recently. In in his um, tenure uh, as the guy leading the efforts to elect Republicans to governorships across the country, in that capacity, he seems to be um, kind of playing politics and and being inauthentic from what I think is his core. So all he's the, the rest of it that I described, I think, were, was all. It, it might be somewhat contradictory, but I think it was all authentic.
1: Yeah. So he's the uh, what is he, the chair of the Republican Governors Association right uh,
0: now? It's, it's whatever the political out, outfit is that's supposed to elect Republicans to governorships in the 2022 election cycle.
1: Yeah. One thing going going again back to that that lengthy piece on the gambling, um, by Ruelas is that there was a quote by, um, by Kirk Adams saying that Ducey is incredibly disciplined, like message discipline. And I remember, uh, I remember one of my favorite parts of, of, of Ducey's tenure was, was when he actually, when he lost his cool, um, about the red, he was being questioned about the red Fred movement. This was just before he had, um, announced his 20 by 20 plan. And he kind of he kind of lost his cool at a at a reporter and saying like, "Look, these leaders of this movement are literally working for for to elect Democrats that are trying to run against me. You'd think that that would show up in in some of your stories." <laughs> That's what he said. I was like, "Wow, like even at the time I was, you know, I was supporting the raises obviously and I was I was wanting um, more, more, you know, I, I was wanting success in the referendum, but okay, this is like what you really think, you know, that's, that's a message I think needed to be said at that time. You know, no one was seen to be, to be critical uh, of that, but, but that, you know, I'm always wondering like how much, what is he really thinking and how much is he sort of guarded behind this communication, you know, uh, sort of shield or 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 bubble that he is that he is that he is around and even like that you know that one time he went off on twitter you know about the shoe thing the nike the nike shoe thing that was like a fake that seemed like a fake like release of his outrage just to try to you know play the kind of like what he's doing now like the whole culture war war thing like i don't see that as authentic but i do think he probably does i mean like what does he really think about, you know, Trump and this, and this, and this uh, audit thing? Like, I want to know what he really thinks about that. And, the, and I guess to transition to my next question is, you know, if you look at the Republican Party right now, you know, he's almost done with his eight years. If you look at the Republican Party right now in Arizona, you know, one of the leading candidates to succeed him as governor, Carrie Lake, is an ardent, you know, Trump loyalist. This is after um, this is after January sixth. This is after the, the documented campaign to pressure um, Maricopa County elections officials to over to like stop counting and, and to and to manipulate the vote. She's a you know cons- an outright conspiracy theorist. None of the other GOP candidates for governor will even acknowledge the legitimate outcome of the twenty twenty election. Uh, And so, uh, you know, Ducey did certify the the, the election uh, and he spoke up at the time uh, for the legitimacy of our elections. But he hasn't done anything from, you know, from what I can tell uh, to combat this intensifying radicalism and conspiracy theories within his own party. How 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 much responsibility do you put on him as a person, as a politician for what we're seeing right now in the in the Republican Party? Well, let
0: me first of all say that I think that being disciplined is authentic um, for Ducey. He's, he's not suppressing any wild um, sentiment <laughs> or, or instincts uh, in his uh, public political persona. That, so, that he's is, a, so
1: you think he's a t- kind of a toned down sort of yes, calm he, person by nature?
0: Yes, and, okay. and, 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 and disciplined uh, by nature in, in all he does in business and in politics. Um, I do believe that uh, Trump, Trump's claim uh, uh, and, uh, of um, a fraudulent election, uh, and more importantly, his plot to overcome the results of a legitimate uh, election uh, did create a moral calling uh, for people like Ducey uh, to uh, contradict it and denounce it. He has not done that. I, um, I can't speak authoritatively about what he feels about Trump and what Trump has done. I can speculate based upon uh, the years Uh, in which I have had interactions with him. Uh, I would be surprised if he doesn't have a very negative opinion of Trump and what he has done. I don't know the extent to which the job he's taken on to elect Republican uh, governors in the 2022 election cycle acts as a constraint on uh, what he otherwise would be doing here in Arizona. Um, Certainly, the conventional wisdom nationally uh, is that you have to appease uh, Trump and his supporters uh, in order to win election as a Republican in the 2022 cycle. Uh, If he didn't have that national obligation that he's taken on, uh, would he be more willing to stand up for the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors and uh, join them in uh, the uh, new Republican County reporter, uh, Stephen Riker, uh, in uh, confronting it, uh, particularly after the legislative session was over and he no longer needed the votes of uh, Republican members of the Senate and the cooperation of the Senate president who's uh, the one that's kind of orchestrated turning this all over to Trump conspiracy theorists, uh, I don't know. Um, He is cautious by nature as a politician. uh, And that is putting yourself into the fire. He's in part in the fire anyway. Uh, Trump regularly denounces him. Um, But uh, I do believe that this was a time where there was a moral call uh, for action uh, Ducey was unusually positioned uh, in order to do some good, uh, and uh, he didn't show up for the call.
1: That's what always gets me: is the fact that he was un, as you put it, unusually positioned. Like he was, he was popular. He was a two-time governor. I mean, he is still now. I guess he could still um, sort of make a make a voice for you know. Um, richer and the and the and the and the county supervisors and and but just like like you said i mean he, he was um you know and he had the wide support of the business community and and you'd think that if he wanted to he could have and he could maybe he could still i don't know make a big difference in 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 shifting you know not just uh you know, not just saying the right thing for the right reason, but maybe even shifting and inspiring, and and, and, and and creating the electoral possibility for someone that's that's that that can do the right thing.
0: It's certainly, I think, fair and right to criticize him for that, uh, but we should also give him credit uh, for, having, for having signed the certification of the election results. Um, and not taking Trump's call at the time that it occurred. Um so you know, uh he he did stand up for the legitimacy of Arizona's elections uh when uh, it was um the time legally to establish and accept that.
1: Yeah, he clearly at least had a line, you know, that he wasn't going to cross. Uh, and and um some people don't have that line. And my fear is that we're going to be, uh, you know, we're going to have people in positions of power that that don't have that line. Um, and, um, so, but that's, you know, we've we've talked about that a lot and I think, you know, maybe it is the defining, you know, one of the defining tests, um, that's going to define Ducey's legacy at the end of the, at the end of the day. Um, I don't know. Um, what about uh, I guess we can we can we can kind of leave that for now and uh, a couple other random things I wrote down before I want to get to a couple of, like quick uh, kind of closing things of like what's you know in terms of what's next and how different groups are going to respond um, beyond the Ducey era. but some other things that kind of stood out is like okay you know the McSally the McSally appointment and how we how we handle the uh, the McCain um, death and replacement of uh, you know he, he first uh, appointed John Kyle, even though Kyle didn't didn't really want to serve for a long time, but it was a political thing of of well, he put someone that's not going to be um, controversial, and then later he appointed McSally after McSally lost. Um, the other other thing is the Supreme Court, the Arizona Supreme Court expansion, and then and then COVID. Any of those three things. You know his his COVID handling, the Supreme Court expansion of McSally, any of those over time, do you think will will pop out more in terms of you know either positively or negatively impacting how he is seen as as a um, you know caretaker of Ar- of Arizona?
0: Until he came to the point of um, preventing uh, others. Um, from imposing vaccination or mask mandates. Up until that point, I thought he had actually got the balance uh, between open and shut uh, in managing um, the spread of COVID uh, pretty pretty well, about as well as uh, anybody uh, else. I, I think he was exercising authority he did not have. Uh, and... Um, I I think our emergency public health laws are a mess that need to be straightened out, uh, and that he was asserting authority in many respects that he didn't have. But in terms of whether you're open and shut, in terms of managing the disease while allowing people to live their lives and allowing the the economy to be in a position where it can um, uh, muddle through and be in a position to prosper uh, I think generally he got that balance right, and, and, and I think that will be uh, reflected uh, over time. M- my own view is when you've got an opening in a position like U.S. Senate, you should fill it with a caretaker, um, not give one politician a leg up over the other. Uh, he did that initially with the Kyle appointment. Um, he appointed a contender, Uh, in McSally, and she lost. So I think that will be uh, negatively um, viewed.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of, uh, you know, more sort of progressive or liberal uh, views on on the COVID would would probably see COVID and and Ducey as being the, you know, just like a legacy ruiner. I'm kind of with you. I mean, my first, my first, my very first memory or reaction of what he did was to, his first announcement was protecting and, and, and locking down the kind of senior community centers to try to prevent the elderly from, from getting with which was the most vulnerable population. And I, you know, I, I, I think I agree with you that, um, you know, in general, um, his instincts were correct. Although I think he did, um, due to politics at, at little, you know, little occasions, Uh, Well, maybe not little occasions, but a few occasions that, you know, the Trump rally that he that he showed up, this was like one of the one of the peaks showed up at a maskless Trump rally indoors. Um, And then and then what's happening now with sort of the, um, you know, the party has gone to, you know, his party has gone in in a direction in terms of making this into a culture war. And it seems like he is now uh, on board with that in a way that probably goes against what, you know, he might actually think, you know, even though I do think there is, you know, there's overreach and people that want to put excessive, you know, controls and and want those controls to be in forever. um, I, I guess my, my, my takeaway would be he had good instincts, but maybe went went against those for political reasons at times.
0: Well, and, and as I said, I think now, um, he is tarnishing what I think otherwise is a yeah. good record uh, by uh, intervening to prevent others um, from taking action that they think is important to protect public health. Um, you One ought not to exercise one's emergency powers uh, with respect to public health to prevent actions that are intended to protect public health uh, by others. Um, so I, I I do think that um, while he achieved a good balance through most of it, um, he he is now more a detriment um, uh, than a positive force.
1: So let's let's just finish here with a couple of quick reactions, um, talking about okay beyond the Ducey era. What's you know what's next after this next year? Um, what does it look like? I'm gonna I'm gonna name a few constituencies or groups and then tell me. How you think they will uh, adapt or uh, adjust to to life without Ducey as a governor? Um, first of all, the business community—they've um, had a, a cozy relationship these past eight years. Uh, what do you think is next for them? You know, probably the—you know—if you're placing a bet, you would bet on a Democrat to be governor. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe I would, maybe you wouldn't. Um, but what's what's next for the for the business community after after Ducey?
0: Well, they have had a very cozy relationship and and even a subservient relationship um, with uh, Ducey. Um, And I don't know all of what that they think they've gotten from uh, being totally part of his support network rather than being an independent uh, voice. Um, Given that the Republican party is now a Trump party and not a Ducey party. Um, The business community will have uh, a lot of struggles uh, in terms of um, its relationship with what the Republican party is becoming. Uh, And paradoxically, if you can get a sensible, uh, pragmatic uh, Democrat, it may very well be that the business community uh, would prefer uh, a pragmatic Democrat over a Trump uh, Republican. Uh, one of the things that's clear is that despite serving two years uh, or two terms as governor, uh, Ducey's not going to have any political legacy or footprint in that sense. This is not his party. Um, it's Trump's party.
1: What about the Democrats, the Democratic Party? I mean, I think... Sometimes they've been willing to to work with Ducey to to get things done, but then he's also been kind of like a, a punching bag. Um, what do you think their uh, you know their politics looks like uh, in the state after if, next year?
0: If a Democrat had done uh, generally in office what Ducey has done, uh, Democrats would be embracing it and bragging about it. Um, in, in reality, he's uh, overseeing a substantial expansion of state government and state government programs and, and um, social policies. Uh, so it's been sort of odd to watch Democrats beat up on him um, when, when it's quite possible if you had a pragmatic uh, Democrat, let's say someone like Bruce Babbitt, Um, who had governed over the same period of time, uh, there might not be in a, uh, there would be more similarity than differences uh, in uh, what was thought to be uh, accomplished. Um, The Democrats have to decide in Arizona um, whether they want to be in the mold of Deconcini, uh, excuse me well deconceding as US senator uh, but but in terms of governorship in the state the Bruce Babbitt Janet Napolitano um, pragmatic um, be working with the business community um, be tending towards the center or uh, whether they want to give in to their progressive uh, instincts um, I think they've got a substantial opportunity uh if they follow the Babbitt, and uh, Napolitano, um, mode. Um, but not if they try to say Arizona's ripe for for Bernie Sanders type yeah. of stuff.
1: Yeah. Finally, the Republican party. You know, I think you, you might, maybe when he was reelected, you might say that the Arizona Republican party was, um, you know, was led by Ducey, but we did a podcast at one point talking about Ducey versus Kelly Ward and, and the kind of intra-party, um, you know, competition. But now you kind of see almost, you know, almost the core of, of the party uh, following the, um, you know, the Trump-Kelly Ward sort of uh, mantle, and then you have sort of like just a few... um People in opposition, you know, Stephen Richard, the Maricopa County recorder, Bill Gates uh, from Maricopa County. And maybe maybe you'd include Paul Boyer as a as a legislator and people that have been very firm. Um, I guess you might put a little bit Magel Eugenti-Rita as as someone who is at least against the audit, um, even though she still seems to be trying to court, um, you know, the quote unquote base, uh, what do you think? You know, after after Ducey's uh, term, or even going into 2020, um, are, is the GOP going full full Trump, or do these um, do these uh, maybe you'd call them more principled conservatives? Do they have any any hope at 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 uh, reclaiming or or redirecting uh, where the Republican Party seems to be going right now?
0: This is in Arizona, a Trump party, um, and, uh, it is not a Ducey party, uh, at all. Um, and I think that creates tremendous, uh, election opportunities for the Democrats. Um, the question is whether the Democrats are going to seize the opportunity or, or boot it, uh, except for the fact that, that the Republican Party has an extreme Trump hangover and can't seem to get over it, um, 2022, nationally, and in Arizona, should be shaping up as a very big Republican year. Uh, if, if if this were the Ducey Party rather than the Trump Party, I think you'd be looking at a return to Republicans winning uh, and sweeping the board. Um, Uh, But the fact that it is uh, Trump's party, not Ducey's party, uh, I think gives the Republicans enormous opportunities. Excuse me, give the Democrats enormous opportunities.
1: All right. Well, let's let's leave it there for now. Um, If I did more research, I might have looked up the odds of the Arizona Cardinals winning the Super Bowl this year. But I didn't. You're going to watch any you going to watch any Cardinals uh, this year? Do you think they got a shot at – I mean, I don't don't even know, but I don't follow (laughs) it too closely. Well, I assume you don't either. (laughs) I
0: know substantially (laughs) uh, less than you, and I doubt doubt that I will spend – Anytime watching well, professional football,
1: I don't think our I don't think our podcast listeners are tuning in for our football analysis or probably not even <laughs> our, our basketball analysis either. But thank we thank you anyways for for listening uh, to the political notebook. You can find us um, anywhere that you listen uh, to podcasts. Thank you.